Hey everybody and welcome back to the Dulcimer Geek Podcast. It's the I'm Dulcimer Geek Podcast. It is. And we have a guest with us. And it's, that was the guest voice. Butch that was Ross, a weird voice. Welcome, Butch. Thank you. Okay, a bit of housekeeping as we start. Yes, I know. The podcast with Russell Cook, right in the middle of it, there's about a minute oh, I heard about of uh, extra voices. Yeah. And by the time you hear this, I will have re-uploaded that. I've also oh, heard people nice. say that they were able to make it out. Now, you didn't Not reveal any of our make banking information on that, did you? Is this a secure podcast? <laughs> you know what's funny? The talk that they heard was from the podcast that didn't get aired. Oh, that is <laughs> because awesome. Russell's part messed up. Butch, we it did a, we did the first podcast with Russell, but um, his audio failed. So it's just, you know, the two of us asking him questions and then silence. It's pretty good show. <laughs> <laughs> what, hey, do you, what do you for, for you, Steve? Yeah. Just so you know, here's what here's what caused the problem. What's that? And I I should have seen it, but I didn't. You and I both use the R button because we record in Logic kind of as a cough button. Right. When you do that, you got to make it sure it's a blank set the spot. toggle. No, but it it was, but it took the text from the prior the the audio from the prior recording and it plugged it into that spot. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. That, that weird. sounds well, like well, a damn issue to me. No, well, and you wouldn't know it. You wouldn't know it if you have the tracks all folded. You know what you're I mean? Right, you've yeah. got the little arrow pointing, so they're all folded up. So you don't. You're looking at it. It looks fine. It's just like there's no uh, audio I know there. What you mean. <laughs> yep. So now we know. So is that the housekeeping? Don't do that. Yeah, that was the housekeeping. Well, listen, Butch Ross, uh, how have you been? I've been good. Um, you know, this weekend was Trish and I's one year anniversary. That's great. And uh, so we <laughs> chose to spend it in Ohio. And Gatlinburg. We went to Gatlinburg first uh, for like the proper Gatlinburg, Ohio. No, Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Trish and I had been doing the <laughs> the whole thirty diet, so we decided to go oh, where wow. there were the most corn dog vendors per capita. <laughs> that's right. To that's break right. our fast. <laughs> no, that's so. great. I just went to Gatlinburg too on a date. I mean, the thing <laughs> is, some people like to make fun of Gatlinburg or say it's not what it used to be. It's exactly what I've always expected it to be, and I enjoy it. So I agree. It's it's moonshine, corn dogs, and mini golf. What more could you I mean, want? That's what I and I looked forward to. That same thing in 1978. Like, what's the problem? <laughs> I agree. I'm, I'm right there with you, Steve. Butch, that is so great. We should we should go to Gatlinburg together. I think <laughs> we got a couple of festivals that have taken place. You guys, uh, well, Steve, Butch, I don't think you were there, but Steve, you were at Mount Dora. Yeah, I yeah, I've never been to Mount Dora. Well, this is big news, everybody. So the Mount Dora festival announced on the last night um, uh, that there was not going to be any more Mount Dora, and then. Um, then the is that because pe- of global warming? Then people, <laughs> that's right. No more, no more Mount Dora festival. But then people started working it out, and over the next few days, the rumor has it that that um, someone else has has taken it over, and it will happen. It may have a different name. I heard now every you know all this is rumor, so who knows? But um, there you go. That's cool. I hope so. That's a great festival. It's fun. And um, so then 
when you said Ohio, uh, Butch, I'm assuming that you and Trish, I saw Trish's uh, social media, Facebook stuff. Uh, sounds like she had a wonderful time. I, I didn't see you post or anything, but up in Mount Dora teaching singing. No, we were never, we've never been to Mount Dora. No, I, did I say Mount Dora? I'm in Ohio Valley. Sorry. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> oh, OVG. Ohio Valley. Yes. we went, OVG. She had yeah. a good time at OVG. We were, Yeah, we went and it's it's funny because last year OVG was a week later, and uh, or maybe two weeks later, and I was supposed to be up at the Albany Dulcimer Festival, so we decided to divide and conquer, and so she went to OVG by herself, and I went to Albany by by myself, and uh, and so everybody was everybody was like, "This is your honeymoon," like because you know I mean? oh, we had just gotten married like the week before, or two weeks that's before. That's funny. That's not funny, and it's funny. So, so it so this was like an opportunity to kind of celebrate that. Also, I mean, you, you know, there, we have so many people now, uh, you know, who who are just friends that we know through all of this, and so. And weren't necessarily at a at a reception, you know, or anything like that. So it was just good to be able to see everybody, and kind of get that, make that happen. Even you know, to sort of celebrate the one year, socially like that. And we're I, social people, anyways. I think. Well, we we all. I was thinking of something um, the last couple of weeks, and I think it's relevant since we're we're all doing gigs. Um, I found a bunch of old DP news uh, issues from the late seventies, and I was remember I was looking through them, and I was remembering what a big deal it was f- for a number of things. This is pre-internet, is what I'm thinking. Number one, the magazine was your only clue about what. It was the only thing holding the community together, really. It told you who to look up, where the stores are, what books, you know, who's who are the players. Um, you've got merchants out there with shops, you know, and they would be somebody who could really hook somebody up. Um, you've, you've got the vending areas at festivals, which are really valuable. I mean, to, to have all that dulcimer merchandise in one place and to be able to ask questions and everything. And I'm not saying times are worse now, but I've just been thinking lately with some of my gigs, um, the internet, which has been a good thing for me, you know, it it means that some other things aren't the only source for information, and it changes the dynamic a little bit of what we're doing. I well, I agree with that. I remember when I first first uh, started playing playing dulcimer at all, you know, that I would go buy. Uh, I would go so I would go buy a, a dulcimer player's new, news, which meant I had to drive from downtown Philadelphia to Mary Carty's shop in Mount Holly, New Jersey. Oh, so yeah. 45-minute drive just to buy a Dulcimer Player's News That's and then great. bring and then bring it back to the to the house where I would then read every single article, look You're at right. every single ad, go to You're every right. single website listed on That's every That's right. Single. I used to do every ad. I would read every ad. <laughs> because <clears throat> ads weren't ads. Ads weren't people trying to talk you into things. They were sources of information. That's right. Yeah. And the the same thing, the first Dulcimer CD I bought was um, uh, the Susan Trump Masters of the Mountain Dulcimer Volume 2 
because it had the most people on it. It had the most people on it because I didn't know who was doing what and what they sounded like. So it had the most people on it, uh, and and the most people that I that I recognized because you were on it with uh, with David and uh, Robert Force and Al Darche were on there, and I knew them and a couple other folks. Yeah, and early on, you know, before the internet, you couldn't. There was no way really to listen to samples. Some some of the shops, like I went to Nashville, Indiana, Mountain Made Music. Uh, Bill Berg used to have a shop there. I think he still does, but they actually you could listen to some samples from CDs, and that was you know you had to put the headphones on. But as far as being being home in Nashville or wherever I was, there was just no way to listen to a cd so it was risky if you had money for one cd you know what do you yeah. buy <laughs> yep <laughs> what do you buy we yeah. were also much more uh, um we were more hungry for information because it wasn't surrounding us like it is today it was harder to hmm. get yeah it was all remember that- guys i know Re- what you're remember say. that oh you do go ahead then speak I don't Dan know. I could be Chandler. wrong, but let me just guess. We still need people out there building dulcimers with shops. We still need vendors' areas at festivals, and we still need the dulcimer players' news because it is an institution, and it's still very valuable. So I don't <laughs> want to get in trouble. Here. Well, all of that is true. That's not what I was going to oh, say. Oh, good. Well, I'm glad I got it out. You guys are not normal. Your your connectivity within the dulcimer verse is not typical you mean now or back and there then are, or what now yeah and there are people who That's are subscribers true. to dulcimer players news that are still experiencing what you experienced back then a little bit yeah no i think it's, like, i think it's still there i don't think any of that's ever ever gone i mean, it it's changed and maybe it's diminished but i i don't think for a second that uh that if I don't advertise in Dulcimer Players News, there's another way people are going to find out about what I'm doing, you know, short of me pounding my chest on Facebook and announcing something. It's, it's still- wow, I saw, yeah, it's, it's, speaking of pounding your chest on Facebook, I saw a meme that was so awesome from a musician the other day. And I don't remember what the first two things, but it said, you know, I, I show a picture of my new puppy, 300 likes. I, you know, do blah, 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 300 likes. I announce my concert coming up next weekend. Nothing. <laughs> oh, I saw this. And it Facebook, it's odd because <clears throat> it's, for me, I'm seeing it from like three or four directions. Uh, my own personal marketing. Mm-hmm. The stuff that we do for the Signal Mountain Elementary Preservation Fund. Mm-hmm. I see it for events like uh, council meetings i could <laughs> i could put a post on facebook that says <clears throat> someone got mad at someone at the council meeting and said a swear word and get 200 comments on it i could announce that we're going to have a council meeting coming up and we are going to vote on something that will affect the lives of everyone um, you get taxes or something like that and get nothing. Okay, here's the deal. I really believe that most people, first of all, they don't want to leave the house unless they have to. And and if you're saying, I've got a gig coming up, 
what are they going to do? Hope it goes well. Not coming again, you know. I mean, most of them can watch us on YouTube and get some fun out of it. And secondly, maybe my show's not so great, and maybe that council meeting's not so important. That's what I'm wondering. In the scheme of things, the the meeting, and I didn't I really am not trying to draw attention to myself on this, the, but those kinds of things are super important <laughs> because they affect people's lives. Sure, I know, my but gig not as important as that. like coffee. And I think you're right, <laughs> but I think you're right, Steve, in that. What do what's the proper response to? Hey, I got a gig this Friday. I don't know. What if do you I want anna- people if, to say? If I announce that I have a gig in Chattanooga on Facebook, I'll get uh, I'll get forty or fifty people who say that they're interested. That's and pretty good, of, Butch. And none of them live in town. Oh, you're right about that. How about when I send out <laughs> a thing about a concert? I'm doing a concert in such and such Florida. I get all these emails from the rest of the country saying, oh, I would love to come. Too bad, you know. Yeah, but exactly. I en- yeah. I mean, I think I, think I enjoy the feedback. I just want to say I enjoy the feedback from the Dulcimer community, from the Dulciverse, about things that happen on the council. <laughs> I really do oh, like it. Oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. But it's real. I mean, I, I, um, I also, you know, there's this thought I always had, um, and it, it haunts me. David Schnaufer, I've said this a lot of times in a lot of places. David Schnaufer, my idol, he would get, you know, all of us would get 10 minutes at a festival and he would be the last act and they would give him 30. I mean, it was, it was, you know, and so nowadays I notice. We're all getting the same amount of time now, you know? And so part of me feels like, hey, I'm not going to complain about the time I'm getting. I just want to be a better musician. I mean, David didn't have to ask for more time. You know what I mean? Um, I'm not going to blame the event for not giving me the time. I'm, I'm going to blame myself for not being more interesting. Is that okay? Is that uncool? <clears throat> well, so we're talking about if we're talking about social status, egalitarian, egalitarianism, I guess you'd call it, maybe that applies. But it, when it comes to putting on a good show, hmm, I think you need to think through that. Well, yeah, No, I think the better, the more interesting acts should get more time. We've talked about that. And yeah, I guess the... Yeah, go ahead. That require that requires somebody telling somebody they're not that interesting. Enough. Right, and this community says, "Look, I'm already losing a thousand bucks of my own money by running this event. The last thing I want to do is make a bunch of people mad at me." Right. Well, so it that comes back to that's that part of what we do is a social organization. We're all involved in a social organization where people play instruments, as as you know the thing that ties us together is that hmm. real is that right yeah this has always been more social i think than well, certainly more social than professional you know uh, um professional is the wrong word but like if if i'm a bluegrass guitar player if i'm into bluegrass guitar and i go to bluegrass festivals and i take workshops at the kaufman camp and things like that my goal uh, is to be the best bluegrass guitar player that I can be, and and uh, and I don't know that I would ever walk away. That my comment card at, at this Kaufman camp would say, "These classes are too hard." 
You know what I mean? And and I wonder, like, so many so many clubs. I think I'm losing the plot here, but so many clubs. No, I'm kind of following you. So many uh, so many clubs are just have the social aspect of it is easily. I would say this would be true of most clubs, and I think this is a wonderful thing. Most uh, clubs, the social element of it is as important as oh, it's, as the music. Yeah, for element. sure. And yeah. one thing I've been saying lately is. You know, you get a bunch of people in a club, and as they're getting better, they play with an even rhythm. Um, and then one person in that group will be maybe going to more festivals, learning more about music. They'll start to develop a nice swing, right? And it's not it's not essential that all music swings, but uh, this person is developing a nice swing, and they come back to the club, and they try to share that swing with the club, and the club is straight, and they're going to stomp that swing out of them most of the time. And it's funny because I find, you know, uh, with some clubs, the people that are bringing back some of the maybe the more advanced musical ideas, the stuff that can really enrich in the soup, um, those people sometimes well, get run off. And I don't want to leave it at that. I also want to say sometimes those people bring back new ideas, maybe rudely. <laughs> but still, I feel like sometimes we're running can, off. Can I, can I, I toss something oh, into I hate that, to Steve? say this. Sometimes we're Could running be wrong, off the better players. And I think it would the way be good to give those better players stomp it out, you know, some, basically something in the group so they can continue to feed back into the that's, group. Good stuff, you know. That's my that's my point. It's it's yeah. not necessarily intentional. It's just that it's a byproduct of they don't know how to swing. Not intentionally necessarily. You know what's what's funny is you guys were talking about this. I was thinking right. this isn't all that different from Actual right. and clubs so the one where you person go to have a drink swinging sounds like their rhythm screwed football. up. Uh, where you have clubs where nobody's so I, really watching football. And you have clubs, though they have football on, you have clubs where you better go and be quiet and pay attention to the football game. And you have, yeah, same, yeah. Thing, same thing for music, you know. You have places you go where there's music playing, but there are places where you go to listen to music. Uh, uh, maybe there's some correlation. Oh, there. yeah, that's right. It depends on the club, doesn't it? Well, I would encourage clubs, um, take care of your advanced players. Hey, but advanced players, be friendly. Lifing is hard. <laughs> you know, <I> guess <laughs> Communication with people is hard. So and many clubs I, I conversation go to, with the town so manager this morning. Around and anymore. I'll say, hey, it's such a, a know, complex situation a with some sewage issues, and we're about to have monsoons for seven days straight. And there's going to be all kinds of problems. Anyway. Trees falling over, sewers backing up because of infiltration. There is infinitely more that I could say when someone asks me a question about whose responsibility is this that could mess up the situation than make the situation better. And no, no, when you're trying to produce something or, or deal with something from a higher level, the words that come out of your mouth can make it worse There's more people much more that, easily than they mean, can make it better. or what? Like when somebody's upset about something or, you know, people are trying to, 
figure out, should I be here? Or did you tell me this was going to happen? Or so-and-so said this was yeah. the way it is, and you're saying something different. You guys need to get your act together kind of thing. I'm very sympathetic to people in management situations because it's a tightrope. And trying to run a club, yeah, all that stuff. So have a little mercy, I'd say, also. that And trying – yeah. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. What running a festival, running a club, anything. <laughs> no, that's this is across from my old house. I'm actually I'm <laughs> I'm actually glad that you brought that up because there's this drain in my yard that's been giving me a lot of That's trouble. right. So Butch, where do you live? <laughs> you know, if you guys had waited what a city? while, I could have married I'll you. Live in I, Mountain. That's I, the I get and, to marry and, people. And Dan, I live across the street from where Dan used to live. Yeah. You too. Yes, so you, I can Dan marry is you your too. Mayor. I, can, I can do any kind Dan of marriage. Dan is my mayor. <laughs> Huh. Yeah. So, so Steve, you if you knew anybody who was getting me. married ever, <laughs> I could marry you. <laughs> you can marry them. I mean them. Only in Walden. <laughs> you can only do it in Walden. I meant them. <laughs> and we and we have to be cousins. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's the it's a state law in Tennessee. <laughs> huh. It is well, I'll remember that. Can you do it in the middle of the night, like at last minute's <laughs> notice? Would that work out? <laughs> I, That's hilarious. But just Tennessee? Because I, 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 I'm just thinking KMW is coming up and, you know, on Wednesday nights, do whatever you want night. Maybe Steve and Heather, you know. I'd, hey, I would like to careful. just marry Randall. But I'll tell you what would be cool <laughs> is if you, Dan, hey, this. maybe at KMW then, yeah. this year, you could just When you were a little kid and you were watching people get married, were you afraid the like they do that if you said the words they said that you'd marry, be married to somebody? <laughs> was I the only one who did that? So, Bush. I was. Go ahead. It always scared me. You know, I have a lot of those still. <laughs> No. Hey, can can no. I talk uh, a, a hammer dulcimer thing, I, which I know interests you two well, very we all little had some at all? Strange but misconceptions, you might geek on it I for think. a second. From what? <clears throat> for sure. So you know, we had Russell last week, so, and we talked um, about that. Uh, we talked about a lot of stuff, but this big dulcy forte that he makes, we talked about that some. I'm well, I so two excited of those, about it. And I took so one of them, about it. and I tuned the entire thing down a whole step. Have you seen the charts from that, Steve? So okay. it's B flat centric now as opposed to C centric. The the entire instrument down a whole step. So normally the yeah. C scale that uh first off it's going to be but you know Ben Van Winkle this you tuned I'm it down. On a project with okay, him and his whole Figment step. Orchestra which is and some new music too which is really cool. What is, what have you learned? And a lot of this stuff, though, is in flatted keys. This, in particular, the stuff he wrote for chamber. And so I, I went back and forth trying to learn some of it on piano dulcimer. We oh, didn't that's have enough great. range, which great, yeah. got yeah. me mm-hmm. conversing with uh, Sam Rosetta, who's probably going to make me a larger uh, carbon fiber piano dulcimer, which is right. exciting. Uh, and, and so I tried it on piano, and then I tried a linear chromatic, and again, a little too complicated, not enough range. And so I tuned it down a whole step. But the byproduct of this is the art. And it's not an argument. It's a conversation that's going on on my Facebook page where I posted the chart is that it's a warmer tone when you play in 
the flatted keys than it is when you play in, you know, based on C. <clears throat> now, I don't... Well, I don't know. I mean... That's what I want to know. Why yeah, that would have to be per instrument. Ooh, come on, per man! Don't be such a judgmental jerk. Come on. You mean come somebody on, says flat keys are inherently warmer? Why, when you're on a are piano, these the same people that wear when you're on a real foil hats? Are there so many? Like, if it's a piano piece, sorry, so sorry. many of them are written in flatted keys, and I mean, I don't know enough to say there are more like piano pieces written in flatted keys than there are in sharp keys. All right. So there's different temperaments. So in the past, some keys had you, you'd have more or less beat frequencies for certain intervals. So one key would sound really pure, and one key would be the worst. It would sound the most out of tune. You've also got the issue of fingerings. Some keys are easier to finger on the piano. But I would say every piano is different to some extent nowadays. But so somebody, but somebody's thinking those, those flat pitches, there might be some magic to that. Well, there's two things to, to that that I would say. One, sort of agreeing with what Steve just said, which is just that uh, singers sing better in flat keys, male and female, alto to bass, you know, soprano to, to bass. Just flat keys work better for the human voice for for whatever. But, but, but really, so like E flat is better than E, but I, wouldn't it depend on the singer? Yeah, but it doesn't matter. It, it's it, first of all, I've never ever met a singer for whom D was. In, oh wait, wait, to wait! Sing so now, like ever, there could be a I'm magic sure D flat or E flat would be okay, but not e a magic flat e flat instrument. Key? Better. It just has something to do with the way that the voice is 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 set. And no. I, you know, you could make a. I think that that's entirely plausible. Yeah. Is this like yeah. those meridians? I think you're all fools for leaving A four thirty two, but hey, I'm you know I'm an No, we're one. not. This is but, this uh, is I can't buy into this stuff, man. This is this is like that. <laughs> that was by the way, that was whatever for that your, was a for actually that was a joke. Oh, that was a uh, Lyndon LaRouche uh, conspiracy theory. But um but no, but listen, no, but I was but I will say this the instrument the instrument is tuned to D. Both of our instruments are kind of tuned largely around D and a lot of the repertories are around D because that works better with other instruments like penny whistle or, you know, uh, guitar or, you know, other Irish instruments, other traditional instruments that tend to gravitate towards D. I don't have a reason for why that is. I don't and know. I think why. horn players like flat keys because horn, well, horn, horn, because horns are all in flat keys. There's a B flat coronet. There's an E flat baritone sax or whatever. You know what I mean? There aren't many C instruments. I'm going to so, reject the idea that singers are better in flat keys. They might well, think they are. They might uh, well, think. Well, then I they are. then I encourage I encourage singers to prove us wrong in the comment section. Please send videos to Butch. <laughs> yes, absolutely. But that's the first thing. I'm just going to sit here and listen until someone mentions Hitler. <laughs> well, girl, I was going with Goebbels because it's I was coming. going with Goebbels actually because it was well, Goebbels. Listen. 
because it was Goebbels who came up with A440. But I'm not. I'm not getting. My tinfoil hat is in the wash, so I'm not getting behind any of that stuff. Today, okay, but. here's an idea. So let's say one singer sounds good in E flat. All you have to do is call that D sharp. They no longer sound good in that key. I don't think that's true. <laughs> so I, I don't. I was a jerk. I don't want to spoil people's curiosity on this. I'm being a little arrogant, and I apologize. But the other, the other thing that I wanted to say about that, which I honestly think is more relevant, is that. I remember uh, when I was playing guitar, I, one of the a couple. I, uh, when I started playing acoustic guitar very seriously, I explored a lot of alternate tunings, and one of my favorites was like open C or kind of they call it open G six with a C bass, where you take your E string, which is the lowest string on a guitar, and you tune it down two steps so that it's a, a C. And then you take the A string and you tune that down to G. And you do some stuff with the other strings, but it's the low strings that that matter. When I would be tuned down to C like that, the instrument just sounded low. It didn't, like, it sounded like I was playing a bass, although if we're talking about pitch frequency, it wasn't the case. If I do that on a dulcimer, if I tune the dulcimer, you know, C, G, D, low to high... I get that same effect. It has that same sort of vibe to it. I think we need a psychologist. And I really think that that comes from this idea of you have the strings that are vibrating at at frequencies that the instrument was not was not designed to to highlight. Does that make sense? That's true. Oh, here he goes. Wait a second. Don't get all. Don't be uh, such a jerk, Dan. Keep keep going. Mm, this keep is going. hard. I mean, because we're getting into etiology and teleology. No, 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 about you, you gotta use two fifth grade vocabulary here. The in, the instrument is designed for I could buy the instrument fret board is laid out in such a way that it has it's intended no, the to the instrument a the thing. builder has tweaked tree. this thing over time so that those pitches sound better to their ear so when you tune off of that you get maybe some unintended consequences some may be better and i've noticed like some you go up high maybe you don't like it as well up there it's just they've they've made little changes over the years based on dad right Maybe, but every tree well, sure. grows differently. I mean, unless you're building these things out of a composite of some kind, like a like a carbon fiber, I don't think that kind of consistency really exists. And you've talked about this before. Yeah, but the, but the design, if the design is consistent, that, that does matter a lot. And the woods do matter also. The de- absolutely. The design can be consistent, and it can look the same as another one, but the fibrous makeup of the wood isn't going to be the same from one piece of wood All to right, another. Settle down, Lorax. I understand what you're saying, but the <laughs> the, the uh, uh, but the thing is, what I agree with what Steve was saying that you know, whatever woods, whatever builder you choose to name is building whatever instrument you choose to talk about. They're doing it with the end goal of an instrument that's going to sound good, as good as possible in the standard tuning that the instrument gets. It's so it's built for a certain type. Ideally, yeah. Yeah, I mean, let me know. I mean, case in point, case in point. Keep going, keep going. My uh, Bill Rich, Papa's Dulcimers, who builds the instruments that I play, he makes sure that that instrument 
frets well and sounds good in CGC tuning. Every single instrument he makes, he spends time in that tuning to make sure that everything works in those frequencies. But it's knowing that it's going to be tuned DAD at the end of the day, and ultimately the goal is to make it sound as good as possible in that tuning. You change the tuning. But that's set up. But you change the tuning, you that's change setup, the Butch. tension relationship between the string gauge and True. the vibration. And you get different length. frequencies get different adding frequencies to each other or taking away, like in a room. And different subharmonics and different overtones. That's right. Uh, you know, they, I'd like to bring you guys back into the studio again, out, out of the stratosphere, and let's have a, and I don't care if this is a piano or a hammer dulcimer or a mountain dulcimer. And we can build it to such specs that we have two instruments identical, right? absolutely identical. And those instruments are able to respond to a range from a, let's go, a, a D3 to a D5, okay? And we change... Yeah, let's make, let's make it be a C3 let's to a C5. Let's just pretend they're identical five. and then... They're identical, no matter what the instrument is. And then what? And we lower it a whole step. We lower it, the entire thing, a whole step. The whole instrument is, yeah. And the talk on the street (laughs) is that the lowered one has a warmer tone. Even if you play the same, even if you play the same scale. Yeah, well, the the strings, there's so many things that are different. I, I don't. I don't understand what your point is because, yeah, that would be what would happen. But we, okay, do do we just. So you're saying, you guys are saying that it's the, the warmer tone that people are hearing is entirely an emergent property of less string. Can I just jump in here a second? No, I'm not saying There was like 10 seconds of dead air on a dulcimer player geek podcast. Do I win something? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You feel like I should should win a prize for that. (laughs) Yes, I think, because I think, I think that, look, uh, so let me, let me, uh, let me try and explain it with a really clumsy metaphor. Let's give him a moment. Take your time. You have the, let's say you, you can make the argument. You can say, if we take the Gettysburg Address, right, and you print a Gettysburg... Oh, where's he going? Just come, let him wait. do it. Come what? on, come Let on. me finish. Let me finish. Okay. Just because you're the mayor. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you have the Gettysburg Address in, say, like, Times New Roman 12-point font, right? And then you have the Gettysburg Address in aerial, uh, regular 12-point font. Now, you can make an argument that the one font is easier to read than the other font. And this would be, to me, what you're saying when it comes to the woods. And, and you know, whether it's two different kinds of woods or an instrument made out of woods from different trees, but they're exactly, they're both cherry or they're both walnut or whatever. So you can do that. What I'm saying is that when you change the tension on the strings for an instrument that was built to be played at that particular tension, it is akin to enlarging or reducing the font. The fonts are still different, but they're going to be easier or harder to read depending on the size of the font. So you could build an instrument that 
is slightly, I don't, I'm having a hard time doing the math in my head, that is either slightly larger or slightly smaller that produces the same warm tone. No, I mean, I mean, I, th- I agree with you. I agree that that can be done. I'm saying it's not. You have 40 or 50 years of people building instruments primarily for DAA or DAD tuning, people building hammer dulcimers primarily for a C-centric tuning. What I'm saying is you then you drop the whole thing a step. You've taken the whole thing into a whole new paradigm that can work with or against the way that that instrument was, was designed to respond at a different pitch. And isn't the main point that when we change the pitches, we sometimes find some pleasant surprises. We also might find some little dead zones. It's part of the, the joy of of experimenting with your instruments. I- yeah. So uh, what I I think it's I think there's the one other part that we're leaving out of it. <clears throat> and even though most of us do not have perfect pitch, most of us, not all of us, but most of us have some degree of relative pitch. In that if you heard something, you might not be able to say what the note is, but you might say that sounds a little off from what you're used to hearing. So I think there's a psychological aspect to hearing a hammer dulcimer play in keys that you're not used to where you go that sounds really new and different and pleasing it's it's that pleasant discovery you're talking about steve right it's a lot yeah i mean i like what you did i'm I'm more interested in right now when you lowered that string tension um did you feel like even though it may have been warmer was there a certain thing that was wimpier sounding or or when you hit the the strings do you hear it go sharp a little bit when you hit it hard or is there anything like that going on the weakest place on every hammer dulcimer i've ever played is the scent is the bottom of the treble bridge that yeah. tends to have more weird harmonics happening there that to me got a little worse yeah that was so that was one thing i'll tell you it's not this isn't for wimps it took, uh, you know, I can re- it took a long time. I mean, I probably have eight hours of tuning in this thing over the course of two or three days. I would have to tune it, tune oh, it again yeah. in a few hours. And, yeah. Yeah. Russell And Russell told me to expect that. It just, the inst- it takes a long time when you change tension that much for the instrument to kind of settle into the shape it's going to be, I guess. Well, and it just keeps pulling sharp. It's the weirdest thing. It's like it wants to go back. I've been tuning hammer dulcimers a lot lately, and I want to know. It seems like on the strings with lower tension, I it's easier for me to tune. Like I, it, ooh, I can glide right into the note. On the higher tension strings, it tends to jump pitch more. So is is it easier to tune? You think if you have less tension, and maybe it's worth it, so you're not tuning all day. Nah, it's it's the same, just one step lower. <laughs> I don't think it helped anything like that. Uh, but I don't Probably. know. I mean, I haven't had it this way long. I mean, enough. when I go to DGD, like Butch, if I go to CGC, it's and I and I'm fretting. I can hear when I fret too hard; it goes a little sharp. Where in DAD, I'm uh, doing okay with that. Like just one note off makes it. And difference. also, I mean, I think I think what some people say is like as like warmer is that thing that I was is saying that it sounded low to me you know but but there is a there's a physical aspect of that where you're hearing the string vibrate at a different frequency well so that's sure a, that's a but no, i had a, those but i had those notes before i could have played them yeah but you weren't using anyway. them 
You didn't have them. Yeah, really. it was. You didn't I mean, have still e, got a you D didn't scale. have B flats everywhere. I mean, you just got like don't you have a pitiful version of B flat? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have an easy B flat scale, but I still have a C scale. Remember, the hammer dulcimer is just the big circle of fifths, right? And so all you're doing is just moving that circle down a little bit, where in the center of the instrument. You I got you, but more of the strings scale. are sympathetically resonating to the keys you normally play in. It's fully chromatic, you know. so all those strings are there anyway. I don't even believe that. I've looked at the charts. <laughs> I don't you, do you, you see yeah. my new ones? I need to look at it. <clears throat> yeah, you should. They're, they're really cool. All right. Uh, hey, Listen, Steve. before we talk about this again, couldn't we just write all this up? Could you write a paper on this? I think it would be easier. No, I don't want to. It. It's, yeah, this no. should be a white paper. Let's let's make a white paper on that. <laughs> okay. All right, name this scale. Ready? Listen. <laughs> Harmonic major. <laughs> With a... F yeah. What is it? You take a minor scale, you... You take a major scale, you lower the second, you flatten the sixth, and then you're done. And what is it? <laughs> I, I call it harmonic major. I could be wrong. It's like a harmonic minor scale with a major third and a flat second. So it's a G. So it's root minor second, like Steve said, and then think from the root up to the major third. So yeah, and then you do a half. fourth, fifth, flat six, natural seven, octave. What note? Uh. Hey, Dan, <clears throat> would you do it again, Dan? Yeah. Just remember this. Play the major scale, minor second, minor sixth. Do not touch the major second or the major sixth. That's the way to think about it. Here it is. So there's the scale. I mean, I think that goes by different names, but why are you asking I, this? Because I can't find a name for it, and I want to know what it is. If you take harmonic minor, G harmonic minor, and you make that minor third a major third, and then you flatten the second, I'm going to look it up. I forget. This is one I used to get wrong. Go ahead and explain what a harmonic minor is. You take um, a regular minor scale, and you... You change one thing about it. You, you use the natural seven instead of the flat seven. So in the key of C, well, let's do key A minor. So you have no sharps and flats normally. Just make the G a G sharp, and that is a harmonic minor. Hey, um, a, a harmonic major scale is a musical scale um, used in jazz more often. But now I hear it in world music, I think. I, I don't know. Phrygian dominant or G double harmonic? Yeah, Did you find it? People are saying they're grabbing it from the Lydian dominant uh, theory. <laughs> Whatever. Lydian chromatic concept of, of George Russell. <laughs> this, this, <What? laughs> this is ridiculous. It is ridiculous. <laughs> I just want to know what to call this scale because I taught it to a student today and I didn't know what to call it. It's a cool scale. I've been using it since high school. But I, I used to call it something else, and then I found out I was wrong. 
It's also known as the Hungarian Folk Scale and the Brizantine Major Gypsy Scale. Oh, I called it Hungarian Minor. And then somebody came to me and said, dude, that is a major scale because the third is major. So I I, I think I started calling it Hungarian Major. But I don't even know if that's right. Yeah, I don't know either. I, I, I don't know. And Butch, what's nice on the chromatic dulcimer is... You know, the little fret pattern you use on the bass, use the mm-hmm. same exact one on the middle string. And, um, oh, really? Like on the A string? So on the bass string, you've got G, G sharp, B, C, mm-hmm. and then you go over to the middle string and it, it looks the same pattern wise. Right. Cause you got D, E flat, F sharp, G. Yeah. And so it's so who it's cool. I can't tell who has the instrument in their lap. Is that, is that you, Butch? We both do. Yes, Butch. I have a piano here. Uh, one of you guys, play this. Use that scale. Think 12-bar blues, 1-4-5, 12-bar blues, using that scale each time. It's very cool. you got to work out the triads, right? Whoa. Wow. Isn't it cool? It's so gypsy. See, that's what I'm not good at is figuring out the, to, all the triads in some weird scale. But back when I when in the very very beginning days, so like 2011, I guess it was when I first started playing with Amber's band. Um Amber had great pipes, so we always made her just sing songs that you wouldn't expect, like a girl with a guitar to sing. And one of them was the immigrant song. And uh, we'd lay down an F sharp drone, and I would basically play this scale over it because it, it had that Middle Eastern kind of vibe to it. Right. You know. Uh, so here's something I told my student today that might have been false, but I believe it's true. <laughs> we barely that, know what we're talking about, all of us. Absolutely. That that scale is most likely older than any Ionian, Dorian, Phrygian, Lydian, Mixolydian, Aeolian, Locrian. I don't know. Be- I don't know. Because don't those, know. all that, you know, you talk about the monochord and all that stuff that came around later. All that stuff did come around later, I think. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. But anytime you've got a flat, you know what's funny, Butch, in the Hungarian world, like I've been, I've been listening to lots of Hungarians at their music, and um, right. there's this, there's this little, I don't know, like an argument going on, and it's the, hung, the Hungarian normal folk music versus maybe the Hungarian gypsies, and so some, I could be wrong about all this, but it's like the Hungarian folk people are mad at the Hungarian gypsies using the flat second in the scales, and they're saying no, really? no, no, like I don't Why? know, I don't know, but it's just. People argue about this kind of stuff. What, I mean, I'll the whole harmonic minor thing, um, like in C, you know, supposedly we we borrowed that because we, during the, the uh, Crusades, people were hearing some of these, these new scales. And I don't know. I don't know if that's true. Huh. But it's exciting. I'll, you know, in the dulcimer... <sighs> That's the thing about the chromatic dulcimer that was so fun for me so many years ago. I could get a book on a topic and 
of music theory from different cultures. And the chromatic dulcimer let me easily explore those concepts. And then I could turn to the regular dulcimer or not and see how to make it happen. You've but, been doing um, that for years, right? I mean, that's, that's one yeah. of the first things I remember you telling me is you would figure it, out stuff on chromatic and then translate it to standard. Right. And then I'm always frustrated because there'll be somebody that says, you don't need to do that. You don't need to have a chromatic instrument as your background to learn theory. I'm like, well, you, dude, have a, a degree in uh, classical piano or something. And the next person that says that learned theory on a guitar with a, and has a classical guitar degree. And the next person that says that learned theory on a banjo. So it's like, why deny people that chromatic experience? It helps me appreciate the diatonic dulcimer. I'm still not using a one and a half, you know? I say this I say this all the time. I mean, and this is, I think, a case where this is absolutely true. Sometimes it's not about the journey. Sometimes it's just about getting there. I, if you know theory, I don't care. That's true, theory. dude. If you learn theory, I think it's great that you know theory. I use theory all the time playing the dulcimer because I need to know what to leave out, you know? Like all of all of my arrangements of anything. What's okay to leave out? That's what's right. okay to leave out. Yeah. And well, can one of you guys demonstrate this? And don't go too far off. But play that scale in just a second, a couple of times. Just play that scale so that our ears get used to it, and then incorrectly put the major second in there, and watch how it destroys your world. So play that scale. You mean G? No, no, play that uh, that Hungarian scale we were messing with. A couple of times. Get us used to hearing it. And now just yeah, but randomly stick the major second in there. I like that all right. And also I hear people use this scale, the hung the one we've been doing with a flat seven like this. And I've been listening to a lot of Middle Eastern music still, and they, they don't just stick to that one scale. They're just the same way old Joe Clark doesn't necessarily have to use a, the same seven each. You know, you can play around with both. Yeah, that using the flatted seven works really well when you're moving from the, the five to the four chord movement-wise. We experimented with that today, which was pretty cool. What's nice is the major chord like this... Um, It's nice to have that major chord a half step up. Dan, this is the breaking of the seed of your awareness. <laughs> <clears throat> I don't know what that means. <laughs> so I must not be aware. My seed's, my seed's intact. <laughs> I think. Well, but listen, Butch, Butch is good sometimes. Butch is a smart guy. He has a good vocabulary, and every once in a while he gets on a rant. And I would hate to have him on the show and have him not rant about something. I thought that I did all that. Well, I feel like <laughs> you've got more in you. You've been, so, you've been so cooperative. I know. What I need to do is I need to play back the, old, the older pod podcasts that you guys do and just uh, MST 3000 those. Oh, so oh, there's, some, there's some past issues that we need to cover. <laughs> hey, what's something we did in the past where you're like, they need a third voice? Why don't they? What are, what that are happens. They? Honestly, honestly, see, that happens a lot. That happens a whole lot. But um, 
but I don't have any beef. Let's be very clear. No beef. Wait, 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 no wait, beef. wait. Where's if it beef? happens a lot, name one. Um, you guys have a tendency to think that you've discovered everything. You're right. <laughs> well, we we're you not guys, that bright. Uh, there was a huge. There was a huge podcast about a, a year and a half, maybe a year ago, about uh, going to England and all of the discoveries that you made in England, which was which was great. I mean, you said a lot of really wonderful and, and Butch and, did it all like 15 years ago. Or 2000, 2004. I've been going to the Nonsuch Festival since 2004. Right. And in 2007, eight January 2008, I bought the same Zittera that you have. So I know, been, that's awesome. I've been that's, playing yeah. that for, I, for 11 years. I've been playing the Zidra now, right? But well, we were, were the first people who noticed they say vitamin instead of vitamin. Nobody had discovered that before. Say that again? We were the first ones to notice they say vitamin instead of vitamin. No, we're not the first ones. We're not. <laughs> but listen, we're not the, the thing and is. I, I'm not even, and I'm not even the first one to have that because I got it in January, and then I went to OVG, which was in Owensboro that year. Uh, that was the year me, you, and um, Bing all stayed in the same room. Do you remember that? But see, it's not just us. It's it's Fred Meyer but, was the first one out of any of us to get that zither. That's what I was about to say. So so Fred Meyer and I played dueling banjos on competing zitheras. Oh, that's uh, at that, great. At that OVG was awesome. There's video but of it you, somewhere. but You know, that's one thing I feel like the internet has robbed us a little bit. It's It's so easy to just see all the stuff pretty quick i mean i love the idea back in the old days you could travel somewhere and actually find something nobody knew anything about that seems appealing to me but it's right. certainly there's a lot of people before us lois hornbostel you know um david schnaufer leo kretzner um there's a lot of, and and when I watch these zither, these uh, Hungarian sitara videos, I'm thinking, man, there is a lot of decades of music there that yeah. a lot of us know nothing about. But we do like to act like we invented it. I, I love how we say the dulcimer is um, is an American instrument, and I do understand what they mean by that. But really, it's the kind of instrument that anybody could have invented at any time and reinvented at any time anywhere on earth. Well, um, the kind of instrument that has been invented repeatedly for a long, long time, right? I mean, there's a very famous, uh, that picture of um, uh, Pretorius, is that what it is, 16th century? and it's Monochord? Got the, or? Yeah, yeah, the the one that um, Robert Force always has it like on his website and stuff, and it's that old, old picture from like the 1600s, and it's got an instrument that looks very much like a, a dulcimer or, or a hummel or an epinette. Or a shite hole, you know what I mean? I mean, again, uh, that, I just want you to know, this is what frustrates me when Mountain and Hammer dulcimer players are arguing about which was invented first. I feel like it's arguing, you know, who who invented the toothpick first? It's like, right. you take a box, you put strings over it. And I'll tell you, the one that's mentioned least in old literature, I believe, is, is the fretted zither. And I think it's because it's so common, it's just taken for granted. Run a string over a box. Next topic. I, I, well, I, I, think, I, think it's, I think there's a little bit of merit, a little bit of merit to that, you know. I, I mean, really, it's, uh, when you talk about, you, if you, oh God, we really are in a dulcimer geek world now. Um, if you want to look at it that way, the hammer dulcimer and the mountain dulcimer are exactly the same thing. A string over a box, it's how you make that sound come out. 
right? Because people really, were using gut fret, right? Didn't they have weird, like in India, they had weird ways of making frets. And I mean, there's been frets around for a while, right? Well, but the string, it's the string over the box concept. Do you know right. what I mean? Bo, or sorry, not Bo Diddley. Um, B.B. Uh, 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 King's first instrument was a, diddly, was a diddly bow. And yeah. a, diddly, a diddly bow, as he describes it, is not like the the long curved thing with a string a zither. on it, like like Anne um, Anne McPhee plays like a diddly what they call a diddly bow, but it wasn't like that. It was two corn cobs nailed to the side of a barn with a string between them, and you turned one of the corn cobs to change the pitch of the string, and then and then you plucked the string, and the barn was your resonating chamber. And I think was... the hammered dulcimer and the fretted the hammered and the fretted zither are two of the oldest instruments on earth. That's the Without way I like to say it. Next, yeah, that and the penny whistle or the flute. My point is, I think Dan fell asleep. <laughs> no, no, I'm just listening. To you. Just keep digging, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but the point is, you have a you have a again you have a box with a string over it, and it's really all just a, about how you make that change pitch and so the hammer dulcimer is one approach to that and the fretted dulcimer is a different approach to that and by the same token the auto harp is the same and thing the, um, as and the as american the fretted zither is different than the uh the hungarian fretted zither well all european fretted zithers are considerably different than the american version and that for me is why i think it's an american instrument but i also think it's a very young instrument have you all seen this new documentary on uh, Amazon? I'm going to have to look it up real quick, but it's it's all about the roots of Native American, like Native American roots of rock and roll. It's like a two-hour documentary, I think. Um, I've heard about it. It's really wild. It's really wild because I've always listened to these old fiddle tunes, these archaic <clears throat> minor mountain fiddle tunes, you know? Mm-hmm. that are in Mountain Minor or Dorian or whatever. And I always thought, man, that that sounds that doesn't sound like Ireland to me. That sounds more like a cross between um Indians, you know, na- uh uh African Americans and um and French people or something. But I'm it's just interesting because still we're thinking about these things and and digging back into origins. But it's I'm going to look that up real quick here. You guys can wake up if you want. No, I'm, we're <laughs> waiting. The internet's very fast. <laughs> hey, we've been uh, dulcimer geeking for about an hour, and I got to scoot. Oh, in you just because you're the mayor, Butcher and I'll keep at it. It's called well, Rumble. <laughs> it's called you Rumble. Can. Celebrates Rumble. rock and roll's Native American roots. Now, I'm not saying it's just it's definitely worth considering, man. And it talks about. It talks about how the Indians and the blacks actually spent time together a lot when both of them were kind of ostracized and that there was some marrying going on in the music. And I don't know, man. It's So check that out. Hey, Dan, I know you want us to keep doing this show, but Butch and I have more important things to do, and, and we're really <laughs> sorry about this. Okay, I'm, yeah, I know. We should. I'm though. glad Butch hey, is here this, today. This... I, I appreciate his uh, brain. Thanks for being hey, here. Hey, start thinking about. Uh, I, I, I mean, it's an arbitrary number, and I don't know why. I'm not a numerologist. A numerologist. But uh, a new, I, I made that up. I'm not a wordiologist either. 
But I think this will be our 91st show. And, wow. You know, people make big deals out of hundreds, and we're approaching. So we need to start thinking ahead to what should happen on our 100th show. We should cancel show. our 100th shows um, and go do a gig. <laughs> Actually go play some music. That's a good idea. We should practice. <laughs> no, I, I like the idea as yeah. some kind of special 100th thing. Well, if if yeah. you have, have everybody who's now, ever guested it on this show back as a guest, that'd be right around 100 people, I guess. That's I can't true. believe we've done that many. That's it's true. just, you're right, Butch. We think we've discovered everything. We talk a lot, and we're usually wrong. That's what I think the deal well, is. I didn't maybe. say you're usually wrong. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and and there's, I think there's insight to be gained from anything. You know, anybody who sees something for the first time, you know, because I mean, you know this, you've, you both have done something where you have some kind of Q&A in like a workshop or something, and somebody says, okay, this is a dumb question, but... It's never have, a dumb question. It's almost never ever. done. It's always it's always like, why is it is a four forty or something? It's like I'm gonna have to write you an email about this because I'm gonna need to think about it for like three weeks and do some research. Yeah, whenever I, they say it's a dumb question, it's never a dumb question. Dan and I, and I really just like talking. That's why we do this show. I think. <laughs> yes, we like talking about dulcimers. Can I can I tell you one? Can I tell you one of the things that I really like about this podcast versus uh-oh, the other podcasts uh-oh. that I listen to? And this will sound facetious, but I'm just serious as a heart attack. Is that uh, you don't spend the first 15 minutes of the podcast talking about what's going on in your stupid life, like we just kind of get right into the stuff. <laughs> You're funny, and yeah, I love. I'm serious. I love. I love that. Like I listen to like other podcasts, and it's always like, "Yeah, so I had a nice tour this weekend. I went to New Hampshire and played a gig, and I don't care." We you know, do that a little bit, but the, I do like how we tend to jump right in sometimes. Me too. Now, now I tend, uh, I, in I guess their defense, I tend to post. I tend to be interested in podcasts that have something to say to me. I'm not interested in the podcast except for this one. I'm not really interested in the podcast for the sake of the podcast. It's like I'll see like a let's say CD Baby how to in use Facebook to uh, increase your mailing list. Just pull a topic out of the air, and I'm interested in that. I'm not interested in what their band did that weekend. And it's like 20 minutes of that. I'm like, get to the fireworks. Oh, you're factory. right. When it, you're right. Some of I them just are want 10 the to gnomes. 20 minutes. I want of, the information. Do you know, there's a podcast I listen to, and I always fast forward to like the seven-minute mark every yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> oh, true. But, you yeah. know, I'm kind of the Artie but, Lang of this <clears throat> podcast, if you know who that is. I don't think it's that bad. More like the Katie Lang. Yeah, I'm more know, like the... <laughs> I know who, but I don't know... Wait, don't Who don't look that? it up, anybody. <laughs> don't nobody look that up. Nobody look that up. Well, I so um huh. So so yeah. Butch, but the so I did a tour this last weekend. <laughs> blah blah blah. Boring, you know. It's boring to Butch. I think there's this. <laughs> we, well, we've all talked about this. We all have things that are interesting to right. us us that aren't that interesting to other people pretty much all humans think the thing you're thinking right now is very important and the next thought that takes its place will be as important as the prior one was and the prior one won't be as important anymore which is why you should write things down before you do them and go back this is the voice of experience talking but in the course of that boring thing something interesting happens that is insightful into the What's larger that? picture. And to me, that's what being the 
that what I don't know. You never know what it is. Sometimes there's nothing, and you shouldn't talk about that because it bores people. If you're just trying to say, hey, I go places and do things, look at me. I mean, that virtue signaling kind of stuff. We all read that. But legitimately, I'm trying to think of an an answer as I'm stretching. Okay, here's a boring thing. I had four hours of water training required by the state i have to do 12 hours because part of my position is that i no i could if it was technical but this was horrible like legal the first speaker got up and he listen to this the the first speaker got up and he was so boring we thought we would die he was the best the second guy got up and talked for two hours about nothing and just one inane minor thing about the law that didn't apply to almost anyone in the room and just wore us out. And so we get to the end of that and he's at anybody have any questions. And I ask a question that said, if this training is truly valuable, shouldn't blah, blah, blah happen. Well, that was like opening a pressure relief valve in the room and people started complaining about the quality of the training. And I really felt bad about it, but that was the most interesting thing that happened until the last guy got up who was worse than the first two. And this is nothing where the personal going. water guys. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 they're not going to listen to this. There's no way. Uh, well, well, I'm going to go back to the guy before he said, when people started kind of being critical of him, he's saying, are you telling me that what I've just done for the last two hours could be condensed down to 20 minutes? And one of the good old boys in the room said, yeah, it's exactly what I'm saying. And he goes, yeah, but they want us to train you for four hours. Oh, that's <laughs> funny. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, it really, really happened. Then, So here's the end of this story. There's more, but I'm going to give it all to you. The next guy makes us watch, <laughs> watch a, a PowerPoint presentation where he's clearly just learned how to use PowerPoint, and he's really proud that you can change fonts and things, but you're like the designer and you will die. He shows us a picture of a creek and spends 10 minutes telling us this – water cycle water coming from these are adults but water comes from the sky and it goes through and we're like well these guys are scared they're kind of like somebody at a dulcimer festival like my first advance the first time i had to teach for a week of advanced and i remember thinking what should i do just come up with a bunch of hard tab (laughs) you know is that is that what i need to do (laughs) well maybe this is it's a relatively new requirement maybe they'll get better at it but he's showing this slide of the creek and then he hits the button to change it, and up in the middle of the screen pops this jumble of color. And you can tell that it's probably letters that have had every kind of drop, shadow, emboss, inner, outer, glow. Two or three colors added to those shadows. And if you look closely, it says everyone is downstream of someone. And and just the designer and me had a hard yeah, but that kind of makes awful. a point that you're downstream of the media was, and so you're you're the victim of every font <laughs> every color every bevel you know well we were the <laughs> oh i didn't think he was that deep but now i, I realize i, didn't I feel like you're really bringing <laughs> this is like this is you're really bringing a glow to uh, the end of the podcast here here's the end of the story oh, here's the okay. end of the story his next his next slide is a picture of the Badlands, California. 
you know? And so you see this slide and that's all that's up there. And everybody's looking at it like, what's this about? Because that's not really has to do with water and purity for us. But he goes, now, what don't you see in this picture? <laughs> and everybody's quiet until somebody in the room goes, Indians. <laughs> <laughs> What did the guy do? <laughs> I have no idea. I was hyperventilating. <laughs> so, Butch, what do you think? Is that the end of the story? <laughs> yeah, I'm done. I'm, there's so more I, I'm I, done. But that really oh happened with adults. And that was four hours into training. <laughs> That's oh kind of. So, Butch, what so, do you think about now, this podcast? My training. What, are you saying something, Dan? Well, yeah, I just want to say back to where we started on this. The reason to tell that story isn't because I want you to know. It's because something generally funny that points out a real problem we have. And Steve, you went right to it. Like, these guys are probably scared. I think the purpose of stories is that. Because you go, why does this happen? And happen over and over again. And we can all well, learn some from stories that stuff. are better than others. Like, I tell people, don't listen to this podcast. You know, this is a podcast I like being a part of. But I, I guarantee it in no way that it's interesting or relevant, you know. Well, I mean, but it's right there in the name. Like, like you know, if you're not interested in the the geekiness of it, then yeah, you don't have to you don't have to listen in. But I just I don't I I don't know that, and you don't do this, so this is why I use it as an example. But I don't know that a ten minute recap of the town council meeting for the since the last podcast is going to reveal anything germane about what i want to learn about the right but, but the other you thing know? is it might loosen dan up enough so that he feels comfortable to get well, the dulcimer stuff out that's great because let's, let's do that we're just limping we along record. here I'm, then let's i mean if there was any record. better geek we would want the, the you know we're working with a limited set of geeks I, here <laughs> yeah I, I don't know Steve, you and I both like to listen to Merlin Mann. On well, I, I I appreciate him, but I have I've eased up on that. But yes, yeah, I have too. I have too. But what we both said we enjoyed about this, we talked about this four years ago, is that the more interesting part of the show isn't what their topic was often. Well, for me, it's the obscure to me, it's references the, to '80s pop culture, which Butch is great at okay. <laughs> you know? well i was there <laughs> but here's the thing i want to know this butch do you think so this podcast usually runs just a little over an hour right. i would like i don't like this thing where we always have to end it like i would like to just talk for two hours maybe three and then dan can listen back and say you know what it was terrible at you know, after 90 minutes and he could find a funny thing and cut it off there. I don't know. It just seems I'd like to just talk. That's not, that, well, that like to, if you were to, if you were to do that properly, then you would have to edit as you go. That, so that would be the yeah, first nobody thing. Nobody wants to there, do that. We don't there, have time. Nobody wants to do that. Uh, um, unless Dan gets an intern, which he could do cause he's the mayor now. But, um, the, but, <laughs> no. What do you think about a two-hour podcast? Is uh, that well, I listen to some two-hour podcasts. Um, some that I listen to a bunch of podcasts that run ninety minutes to not a bunch, but a few that run ninety minutes. I to do two, too. To two to and three a half, hours. To two and a half hours. But I'll tell you right now, I only listen to those if I got to do something like blow leaves in the yard or something. Me that's too. Eat up my <laughs> afternoon. So, so from a 
pragmatic standpoint and and also to a degree a marketing standpoint no i don't think that's a i don't think that's a good idea at all, all right. i am i am often disappointed when the hour ends on the dulcimer geek podcast and that's a good thing and i think that's an exceptional thing in ladies fact, and gentlemen oh, we're, we're going to bring over. you a little disappointment <laughs> little disappointment right now no, for gotta, everyone out there you got to leave you, you wait 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 I want to marry somebody on the 100th podcast. There you go. How many weeks does that give us? A minimum. Well, it could be a year for us, man. That's true. (laughs) You got time to find someone. (laughs) If someone I know wants to get married, I will have them consider contacting you. Okay. You know, but then again, we're breaking, you know. We've got to make that wedding be dulcimer geeky. Like maybe some commentary on the wedding. I think running commentary would be great. <laughs> Very good. All right. Thank you guys. My Thanks, pleasure. Butch, Thanks for taking for the time. Me. Butch, make sure you vote him out of office so he'll have more time to play. I voted. Amen. I voted for him. Like I, I don't. I forget three or four times. I voted for really him, so. good for you. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we do it in Philly. <laughs> I love you all. Have a good one. See you later. Exactly. See you around. See you. All right, guys. See ya. <laughs>